Good morning, everyone. Jesus is alive. Uh, I just so enjoy our, I don't know if I can say that. You know, when people say, you know, I really enjoyed the worship, I always have to remind myself, okay, but it really wasn't for me. It was for the Lord, right? But uh, I still enjoyed the worship. (laughs) You know, I just so enjoy our team and uh, we're really blessed here at Good News. Um, I'm not going to preach a a long sermon today, no big message. Uh, I do want to exhort you, encourage you this morning. Uh, I do want to share some stories with you. Uh, My wife is going to share as well, you know, and that's important because she brings she brings the fun to church. She brings the fun. I bring the serious. We come together. We have church. You know, it's amazing. Um, So Carrie's going to share with you this morning as well. And we look forward to that. I want to say thank you to Pastor Raphael for the message last week and for really just just spot on. Yeah. Appreciate the message and your leadership in this interim season. I know that God has uh, prepared for this this season for you and uh, God is with you. And your message last week, spot on. You know, I walked away and what I heard was for the church to move forward, we have to worship and we have to trust. We have to worship God and we have to trust God for the church to move forward. And we learned last week that that worship always involves obedience. Go to Romans chapter 12, go to Genesis chapter 12 or chapter 22. Worship always involves obedience. God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son and go sacrifice him on the mountain that I will show you. And of course, we learned last week that early the next morning, Abraham saddled his donkeys and got his men together and his son. And they, they he went off to obey God. And as he was about to take his very own son's life to sacrifice him to God, God intervened and God provided. And we learned that anytime God asks us to do something, God will always provide. He will always provide. Always and, uh, you know, we've been here at Good News for 22 years now, and uh, we, we came to Omaha. Where's Omaha, right? We came to Omaha and uh, came to Good News Church because the Lord led us here. And what's interesting is, is as we obeyed God's voice to come here, God just abundantly provided for us and all of our needs. And he did it through you. He did it through Good News Church. When you when you move and you live 800 miles away from nearest family, how many of you know your church becomes your new family? How many of you internationals know what I'm talking about? Right. Your church becomes your family now. Uh, And when it's time to, to move from one house to another, you don't call Atlas Moving Company or whoever you call Good News Church. You call your friends that come on. How many of you have done that? We've done that several times. I think Pastor Raphael has helped us move every time we've moved from one house to the other. And uh, it was a lot because in one year we had in one year, we had four different addresses in one year. Crazy. Uh, there was a point where we actually didn't have a place to go and we needed to get our kids into a certain school district and uh, we needed a place to live. And uh, Paulos and Emma, you were there and you provided a place for us to live. And I miss those breakfasts. Um, 
you know, we needed a place to live. We desperately needed someone to watch our kids as well. How many of you know when grandma and grandpa aren't around and all of this and that, you need somebody to watch your kids. And Ron and Terry Urich, who are in the presence of Jesus right now, they were there for us. They were there to say, you need a break today. And uh, they took care of our kids and they watched our kids and treated them as their very own. When we needed help raising our kids, which, by the way, all of you need help raising your kids. Uh, I don't care how amazing of a parent are. You need help. You need help. Right. And the church was there to help raise our kids. There was we kids and grow kids and up kids. You were there and uh, you planted seed and watered seed. And God is causing that seed to grow in our kids lives. And when our kids needed an amazing youth ministry emanate, you were there. Right. And lift. You were there. Right. And what are some of the others? Right. And what was it next? It was gravity. You were there and right. Elevate, eliminate, evaporate, whatever name, whatever it was that it was called at that time. You were there. Uh, evaporate probably wasn't a good one. Uh, when I was youth pastor a long time ago, uh, I needed a cool, young, hip uh, couple to help serve on our leadership team. And Nate and Tana, you were there. Um, and by the way, you used to be cool and hip. I just wanted to let you know that. You know? Uh, and I asked them for a three-week commitment. Let's try this thing out. And uh, 22 years later, they're still serving with us. And we're still growing together. Uh, and we love you guys. When I needed a driver to drive a van load of teenagers in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Who did I call? Downtown Terry Brown. He was there. <clears throat> and we lived to tell about it and lived to laugh about it. Um, when I needed chili for my hunting trips, Sharon, you were there. When I need prayer, Sharon was there. When I became the lead pastor 11 years ago, I needed a friend. I needed someone who I could eat pizza with and talk about things that really don't matter in life. How many of you know everybody needs somebody that, you know, you can talk to stuff that re- pastors need people. They need friends that they can just sit down with and talk about things that really don't matter, like like hunting and fly fishing and trucks and dogs and things like that. And rock, you were there. Thank you for being there and being my friend. When Carrie and I needed a listening ear to process the pain that we were going through in life, um, Bobby and Tony, you were there. When I needed a friend, a, a consultant, someone with the skills to lead the We Believe building project, Terry Franks, you were there. You were amazing, and I could not have done it without you. When we needed to rebrand the church, and some of you feel like we never needed to rebrand the church. Um, I don't want to hear about it. Just, just go with it, you know. Uh, we rebranded the church multiple times, and uh, I could have never done it without somebody who was incredibly gifted and spiritually minded. And Nicholas Peterson, our communications director, you were there. Thank you. And when I needed a staff who would uh, be ready to roll up their sleeves and get to work, our staff, our team was there and they applied their gifts and their anointings to carry out the vision that God had put in my heart. Thank you, team, for being absolutely incredible. Um, I can't imagine leading a church without this team. I just can't imagine that God has been so good to me and I'll miss you dearly. When I needed the voice of wisdom and a voice, uh, actually a vote to move full speed ahead with our vision and our budget. How many of you know it takes dollars to advance the kingdom, 
right? Our deacon board, they were there. They were the voice of wisdom. They were the vote of confidence saying, God is with you. Let's go. And church, when your new pastor comes, and not just your new pastor, but your pastoral team who is here right now, know this, they need you. And I want you to support them and love them like you have supported and loved us. And together you will continue to be good news. A church where anyone, somebody say anyone, absolutely anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. I'm going to invite my wife to come. She's got some good things to share with you this morning. Put your hands together and welcome Carrie. Okay, so last week, Pastor Jason made you guys stand up and sing happy birthday to me. And on my way out of service in the North Insurance parking lot, I was like, I am getting back at him. I am like, I have one week to figure this out, but I am going to figure it out. And I'll tell you what, I figured it out. And I, I decided that, you know, we've had a lot. No, 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 no. I am, I am the Lee pastor's wife for one more day. And I want you guys sitting here. Okay. So anyway, um, so anyway, I decided, you know, we've had a lot of times together as a a pastoral team and we've had lots of trips. So I'm thinking of this as my parting gift to you. Okay. It's like a present. And so anyway, if you show this picture, this picture was actually taken about a week before we resigned. And, um, and the reason everybody is posed in such a cheesy manner is that Morgan was responsible for it. And Morgan, she's very bossy about things like this. And it's like, we had no choice, but because Joey is older, she's like, I'm not doing what Morgan wants. I'm going to turn my head the opposite direction and screw the picture up for the for the farewell Sunday of the DeVries family. You know what I'm saying? Joni's actually the funniest person on the team. She is hilarious. And she um, actually will, there is nothing that will stop Joni from winning a scavenger hunt. And by nothing, I mean nothing that will keep her. And so if you would like to know more information about that, um, you can feel free to talk with her after the service or in the reception area. Now, the first couple I want to talk about is Isaiah and Emily. They're the second from that, and he's the kids' pastor. And they I call them our resident celebrity couple because they are always dressed really, really cool. And they never repeat their outfits, just like celebrities. Now, I wore this outfit two Sundays ago, and I liked it, so I said, I'm going to wear it again. That's a good outfit. And if I land on a good outfit, I am all for repeating that outfit as much as possible. Not those guys. They never repeat their outfits. And in addition to that, um, Isaiah, he's like snubbing in the face of all bald people that attend Good News Church because he shaves his head on the side and then grows the top out really long, about one and a half feet long, and then twists it up in a man bun. And I just say, why, Isaiah? Why do you need to do that? And he just smiles. Now, Emily, Emily is, um, maybe after I'm not the lead pastor's wife for one more day, he'll let you know why he does it. I'm just kidding. Emily is actually the nicest person on the team, his wife. And she's, I try to hang around her as little as possible because she's very bad for my self-esteem because she's so nice. 
you know, and hanging around nice people is just really hard in the heart. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so anyway, I also wanted to let you know that Pastor Jason, he does not only pace in church. He paces all the time. He is always pacing back and forth and back and forth. And the, the other time, I think it was on this trip, you know, um, we were discussing spaghetti and meatballs or something like that. And Jason comes over from pacing and he says, and he interrupts and he says, you guys just need to really find your passion and purpose. And we're like, we don't want to find our passion and purpose because we're talking about spaghetti and meatballs. And, and he's like, I've been reading a book and it's a book about passion and purpose and you need to read it so that you can really find your passion and purpose. All the time. Never stops. Never stops. At least you can say he's authentic and real. But if you take road trips with him, it can get very annoying. Very, very annoying. Now, Carissa and Jason are both very intense, but Carissa has this thing where she comes across like she's really slow, slow moving all the time. And if you said one time, I said, Carissa, how do you move so slow? And she just looks straight ahead. I don't know. And I'm like, that is not helpful to me at all. So I've tried to figure out Carissa, um, figure her out and wear makeup all the time and move super slow like her for about 11 or 12 years, but I just can't pick up the knack for either one, moving slow or wearing makeup. (laughs) I have never, ever seen Carissa without makeup. Now, maybe that's why she always looks like a supermodel in her photos she posts on Instagram because she's ready at all times for the selfie. And, and which is handy because Carissa is very purposeful and passionate about social media. Now, Drew and Morgan, they're the life of the party, both of them. But Drew accomplishes this being the life of the party by sheer volume. He will be louder than anyone in the room. In fact, he didn't even need a mic this morning. Greg actually turned his mic completely down when he was doing transitions today. He is so loud. If you're driving in a van, everyone must wear earplugs in the van that he is assigned to just to survive. And that also helps with Pastor Jason as well, if needed. Okay. But Drew's mother must have lost her mind raising Pastor Drew. Um, Another strange thing about Drew and Morgan is that Morgan will not let Drew cut his hair in any other way. When he was in Istanbul, he got a really awesome Turkish haircut that was posted on social media. We all loved the haircut. There was a social media uprising. We became passionate and purposeful about getting Morgan's to let Drew cut his hair in a different way. But she won't have anything to do with that. In fact, I think that when Drew is buried and dead in the grave, his haircut is going to be the exact same. He will never have a different haircut. And Morgan, just for the record, I wanted to let you know that even though you have over 100 stilettos, no matter how high of heels you wear, you will still be short. (laughs) 
calling it like I see it. All right. All right. Woo. Okay. Pastor Mark is a surprisingly good sport through all of this nonsense on our team, as you can see by his face. But there is one thing that Pastor Mark will not do under any circumstances, and that is stop the van when he is driving so that we can go to the bathroom or buy coffee. It doesn't matter if Morgan is pregnant, if Carissa is crying and posting something about it on Facebook with all of her makeup on, or if Raphael is using the threats he learned in New York City as a young child, Pastor Mark will not stop the van. Period. Now, Raphael and Victoria, we already know that Victoria is without question. She's the nice one and the attractive one. So there's not a lot left for you, but I am going to work with what I've got. Okay. What I am still working on figuring out is the configuration of Raphael's beard. Okay. I don't know how long it takes him to trim and groom that, that complicated beard. But I do know that Victoria can start in the shower and get out the door while Raphael is still grooming his beard. In fact, he has had to start a weightlifting regimen just to work up the muscles, to hold up the razor long enough to have that type of precision on his beard. I mean, that, come on. That precision, you know, Walt's beard is like this. You know, no time needed. Just get out in the woods and shoot a deer. Raphael is like, let's get this thing right. Let's do it this way. And the other thing I wanted to let you know is that if anything ever goes wrong with Raphael, the, the reason is that he drinks too much coffee. So if he has a hangnail, it's due to coffee. If he has a headache, it's due to coffee. A sore back, due to coffee. So just get that ready in your email. And anytime you hear that anything is wrong, got lost on his way home to work, it's because of the coffee. His son said he didn't go to the baseball game because of the coffee. All right, so just have that sentence in your email, you know, lined up to shoot to him whenever is needed. Need some direction from the, for the church? Drink less coffee, you see. <laughs> You're welcome for that tip. All right, Clyde and Chris. Now, I wish Clyde were here so that I could roast him to his face. Chris is very down to earth, and contrary to many people's belief, Chris does not pray every single second, okay? She is actually very competitive when she wants to be, and she actually usually crushes Clyde in all games, no matter how much he cheats, which is all the time. I feel kind of sorry for Clyde because if your wife is smart and competitive and has all this spiritual clout on her side, he will never stand a chance. Okay. Now, I don't need to tell you guys about Walt and I because we've been telling you our crazy stories for the last 22 years, so you already have enough dirt on us to cover for a while. But I do want to just say we have been incredibly close over the years with this group of people. All of them have been with us different amounts of years, but all a bunch of years. And we've gotten so close to them, and so we know that you're in amazing hands because we know them, we trust them, and we just wanted to tell our team that we love you all so much. And we are so thankful for the time that we've had to share ministry and life together with you guys.
Heidi <laughs> Okay. So uh, next I wanted to um, tell my kids, would you guys mind coming up to the platform? The three of you? Come on. In my unbiased opinion, the best three kids in the world. I just wanted to tell you guys how proud of them. If you'd like me, I can talk about you behind your back like this. I was thinking about that. But the, you guys might not get to, some of you might not know them or ever get to see them. And I just wanted to show my awesome kids to you. They've been born here. They've lived their entire lives in a fishbowl. They have been on their own spiritual journeys in front of a lot of people. And I want to thank you guys for being so flexible. I want to thank you for being a supporting, supportive of Dad's job, for never complaining. I can never recall and any of the three of them ever complaining about the requirements of being a pastor's kid. And they have handled other people's opinions with grace and, in my opinion, a lot of maturity at a very young age. So we'll continue in our future. Yeah. See here. Oh, oh, oh. thank you thank you for honoring them and so and it's going to be a great future that we write out together as long as you remember that your first tattoo must always be your mom is always right okay (laughs) that at least makes that decision easier it's always a hard decision right what's your first tattoo you don't have to worry about that it's already taken care of for you so real quick, the um, hands down, the question I've been asked the most is about what's going to happen to real? What's going to happen to real? And a gal actually caught me on my way into the church last week and said, you need to talk about what's going to happen to real because everybody is wondering. So the answer is, I don't know. And <laughs> I'm only the lead pastor for like 10 more hours. Give me a break. Lead pastor's wife. Um, it's ultimately going to come down to the new pastor and his vision and what he thinks is best for good news. So I'm sure he'll make the right decision, but either way, nothing can take away from all of the real transformation that has taken place over seven years in us as women. It has been an amazing ride for all of us, not just for you, but for me. And I'm just so grateful for all those times that we've shared together, experiencing God's transformation in us. So Finally, finally, I want my last words to you to be the same exact thing I've been saying for 11 years. I believe real transformation in your real, everyday, ordinary life is possible. If you are here, if you come to good news, even on a regular basis, if you come into the church and sit in the pew, I believe that there is something inside of you that desires God and desires to have your life transformed. And you don't have to fake it. You don't have to be a hypocrite and you don't have to settle for short-term change. That is not what God has designed. And we're not here to be fakers about transformation. The whole point is that for, for it to be real. Real change is possible. Now, Raphael tells me I have more failure stories than anyone he's met in his entire life. Just when he thinks he's heard them all, I tell another one. And it happened on that retreat that we were on together. He's right. I have gotten lost. I have sprayed myself with pepper spray. I have come in dead last in races. I have contemplated suicide. I have fed my kids beans right out of the can on multiple occasions. 
I have used lip liner for eyeliner before a women's conference that I was speaking at. I have been severely depressed to the point of getting, not being able to get out of bed. I could go on and on, and you can just listen to my messages online if you would like to boost your self-esteem by hearing all of my failure stories. So honestly, in light of that, and in light of who I am, I couldn't care less if you are 40 pounds overweight, if you have a tattoo with a girl in a bikini or a four-letter word on your bicep, I don't care if you've lost custody of your kids, gone bankrupt, floundered in life, quit a lot, your marriage stinks, or you've left church and come back. I don't care if you don't like to sing worship songs, if you've smoked marijuana this morning, if you've had an affair. I don't care if you work at a strip club, if you've cheated on a test, cheated on your taxes, are processing same-gender attraction, didn't graduate from high school, can't read, can't speak English, undocumented immigrant. I don't care if you broke all Ten Commandments, if you've been admitted at a mental institution multiple times, if you've lost your kid at Walmart, if you got in an accident on the way to church today, if you've embezzled money, checked out every woman that crosses your path for the last ten years, if your kids are in jail, if you don't like Americans, I am not a superhero faith Christian person. I don't have faith in every single area of this Christian journey. And I don't consider myself to have, to have a ton of faith. But I can tell you one thing that I do have faith for. And I have faith that God can transform your everyday, ordinary life. So please don't give up. There is nothing that has happened to me while we have been at Good News Church, hands down, can't even come up with a second item than watching God transform you. Not a single other thing. That is what makes me so happy. And when I look out today, it's that is what matters to me. It's that you have experienced real transformation, even if it's just getting started, even if it's just the hope or belief that God can transform you. So I'm so proud of you. Thank you for sharing your lives of real transformation with me. Walt and I are so excited for your future, and we love you so much. And I uh, appreciate you so much. Thank you. Somebody asked me recently, um, how are you doing? And I said, you know, the last four weeks for me have been really interesting. I said, you know, I feel like I'm like, I'm like experiencing my own funeral, but I'm alive to hear the eulogies. And I mean, the notes and the cards and the affirmation have just been over overwhelming to us. And um, I, I stepped back from that and I said, you know something, we, we can learn something from this. And the lesson learned from this is, is simply this. I think sometimes we wait way too long to say the things that are most important to say. 
You don't need to wait for a resignation or a funeral, right? You don't want to wait that long. And my encouragement to you is this. Some of you here today, you have no idea the impact you are making. And you may never know the impact that you are making unless that person that you're impacting goes to you and tells you so. And so here's my other encouragement. If you are a person who has been impacted by somebody else's life in a significant way, go to that person and tell them. Tell them. Proverbs tells us there is life and there is death in the power of the the tongue. So you have the opportunity to speak life. So let's give each other eulogies before we're dead. How about that? Amen. We all need to be Barnabases and encouragers. And I I would just leave that encouragement with you. Um, What's next for us, for Carrie and I? Well, we really don't know. As I've told you before, we only know it's time to go. It's time to go. And the the great theologian Winnie the Pooh (laughs) said this, said, I always get to where I am going by walking away from where I have been. And for some of you, that may be the spirit of God this morning talking to you. You know that you need to go somewhere. And before you can go and do that thing that God's put in your heart, you have to leave where you are at today. You have to leave something behind. Many people tell us that uh, God is going to promote you in the kingdom. God's going to give you greater influence in the kingdom. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I have to remind myself and remind you that what promotion looks like in the kingdom may be different than what promotion looks like in the kingdom of this world. So, in fact, a promotion in God's kingdom may look like a demotion. In the kingdoms of this world. I believe that, that our definition of bigger and better could be different than God's definition of bigger and better God's ways his thoughts are much higher than ours he looks at things a lot different than we do sometimes and so I appreciate the affirmation I appreciate that but I'm also in my own heart saying okay Lord what does a promotion in the kingdom look like for me what does it look like for you If you were to read the Old Testament, you might think that a promotion in the kingdom of God looks like you get to be either a priest or a prophet or or maybe even a king. That's promotion in the kingdom. But if you flip into the New Testament and begin reading the New Testament, especially the Gospels, you might find that that a promotion in the kingdom looks like we get to become servants. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. In other words, if you want a promotion in God's kingdom... Don't climb up, climb down. (laughs) So a promotion in God's kingdom may mean that you're not leading right at the top, but you're serving at the bottom. And I don't know what that means for me. I may be the, the best dishwasher and grass cutter this world has ever seen. And if that's so, I will do it for the glory of God. I will do with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. And I know that many of you are in those places where you're not leading a church. You're not leading a great congregation like I've had the privilege of doing for 11 years. But where you are at, you can be great in the kingdom of God and you can do it for the glory of God. I want to leave you with this final word of exhortation. And it's an exhortation that the apostle Peter 
gave to the believers who were scattered among the Roman world. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. And Peter wrote this. He said, so I exhort the elders among you. The elders, that means pastors or spiritual overseers. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. In other words, not because you have to, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So Peter here, he's talking, he's talking to the, the shepherds and then he starts talking to the sheep and then he starts talking about Satan, the real adversary. And then he talks about this amazing strength that God is going to bring. Let's read verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, in other words, those of you who are under spiritual authority, be subject to the elders or the pastors. Clothe yourselves. This is for you, church. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober-minded, church. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, how many of you know we live in a war? There's a spiritual war going on. After you have suffered a little while because of this spiritual warfare, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself. This is what God will do. Will himself. He will restore. Somebody say restore. He will confirm. Say confirm. He will strengthen. Say strengthen. And he will establish. He will establish you to him. Be the dominion forever. And ever. Amen. Amen. So first Peter says, be shepherds. He's talking to me. He's talking to the pastors here. Be shepherds. How? He says, don't do it for the money. Don't do it for the control. But lead by examples. Lead by example. And I thank God that our pastoral team, it's not a job for them. It's a calling. And they do it because God has called them to. And they are setting examples to all of you. Secondly, Peter says, be sheep. This is talking to all of you. He says, be sheep. How? By humbling yourselves to one another. By submitting to your leaders. And by casting all your cares, not on the under shepherds, but on the chief shepherd. Don't dump on pastors. Don't do it. They're not built to carry that. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Amen. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Why? There's a real battle. There's a real enemy. Resist the real enemy. Not your brothers, not your sisters. And finally, he says, be strengthened. How? He says, God himself will strengthen you. And I want to close this with a word of prayer. And I want to pray for the shepherds.
I want to pray for the sheep. I want to pray for us together. And I will pray that God himself will come and strengthen this congregation. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I ask for the shepherds of Good News Church, the under shepherds. God, that they would lead not because they have to, but because they want to and they're called to. Not for money, not for control, but God, to be an example of Jesus himself, the chief shepherd, laying down their lives for the sheep. And God, I ask for the the sheep, the people of Good News Church, God, that they would follow the pastor's leadership as they are following you. And God, that they would clothe themselves with humility towards one another. God, that we would never forget that promotion comes from you and not from our own doing. God, I pray that the sheep would learn, God, to cast all of their cares on you because you care for them better than any under shepherd ever could. And God, I ask for both the sheep and the shepherds of Good News Church this morning that both would recognize that they are in a real spiritual battle. And the enemy is not the shepherds. The enemy is not the sheep. The enemy is the devil himself. God, I pray that you would give the shepherds and the sheep supernatural ability to recognize the devil's schemes and to resist him and to remain true in the faith. And to remember that our brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And God, I I finally, I thank you that as the shepherds set the example and the sheep follow that example. And as they recognize the enemy and they resist him standing firm in the faith, God, I thank you that you yourself will come and you will continue to restore good news and confirm good news and strengthen and establish good news church. Because all the power and all the dominion and all the glory belong to you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Good morning, good news. Jim Stevens, one of the deacons here. And as we prepare to do our appreciation offering, I want to say to Pastor Walt and Carrie, to Annie and to Levi and to Sam. How did I forget you? I mean, and Sam, that we love you um, and we appreciate you. And as you take this journey, we'll always have you in our heart. Ushers, would you come forth? As you make your checks, please make them out to Good News Church. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this offering, and we just thank you for the, that you're the provider for everything that we have need of. Father, we just ask that you'd bless the DeVries family as they take this journey. Heavenly Father, bless this offering into its attendant use in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good news, church. Today is a day of celebration. A celebration because Pastor Walton, Carrie, and their family have said yes to the Lord. And a celebration because God has plans for us as well. As we close... We're going back into the chorus of that song that, that, that the team w- was leading us into that Carissa said was a prophetic declaration. 
this is very, very important. This is where God has taken us. So we're going to be singing the chorus together before we we exit. Pastor Walt and his family, they're going to be exiting right now so they could be ready to receive you guys in their reception across the, the hallway. But I have a, a quick word for you. As Pastor Walt has shared before, that like Moses seen the promised land from afar but was not allowed to enter in that's how he feels you know in Deuteronomy chapter 32 God says to Moses go to Moab and go into the Mount of Nebo and from there you'll be able to look across Jericho and see the land that I have promised my people and he says and you will be able to see it but you will not be able to enter it but then in Joshua chapter 1 something happens where God tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. And he says, as I have been with, with Moses, so shall I be with you. And God was declaring to me, he says, the reason why I was with Moses and the reason why I was saying that now to Joshua is not because of their sake, but the people's sake. I was with them because of my people. And God is going to continue to be with good news because of you. There's some amazing things that God did if you read the first few uh, chapters in the book of Joshua. And the first was he parted the waters just like he did in the Red Sea. He needed to do in the Jordan so they could walk on dry land and possess the land. Then he goes and tears the walls of Jericho, a fortified city, right? And all they were doing was yelling. So God is saying, I will do what only I can do so that you may go to where I'm leading you. Goodness, church, if you stand, let's worship together. As I said last week, the only way that we move to the next level as a body is if we worship and if we trust in God's nature.